tell you, oh, my soul, rejoice right there as we just go after Jesus together. So it's always a joy to be here with you all. You all are family. I was trying to remember how many years. I think it's been eight years that we've been coming here to Destiny. And uh, it's so easy to preach here and uh, minister here and then hang out and all the, the, the joy we share here. We feel refreshed when we come to Jacksonville. And get to hang out with the Tomlinsons, the Carters, and so many others here. So thank you for just being you and uh, really being used by the Lord. We we travel the world uh, doing missions, and we get to meet some of the most awesome people on earth. But man, when we come here, this is family. So we love you all, and uh, we're grateful for how you help send us all over the earth and our long-term friendship with Chris and Jody and. Man, uh, that eyebrow, the eyebrows I used to have, thank God. <laughs> Whoa, those were, be- those were Melanie, like right before we got married. She's going, I got to pluck those things. Those are- <laughs> Phelps eyebrows, they need help anyway. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, it is welcome back to Church Sunday. I don't know if you all saw that. Some of you may be coming back. Man, it's been a crazy time, right? And uh, And I tell you, um, yeah, I just want to mention, you know, Chris was talking about the gym, and uh, a, a few weeks ago, him and I were talking, and we just started crying, just thankful for our salvation, and I'm just telling you, it never gets old to me, and if it's gotten old to you, something's wrong, you need a refreshing, you need something, you need some freedom in your life, you need to be prayed over, because man, this, this joy that we have in Jesus should never fade. And I'm so grateful that God rescued me. You know, there's this story of Jesus going across the Sea of Galilee, ministering to this demoniac, the Gasserine de- demoniac. And so they, he lived among the tombs, and they tried to train him up. Well, that was Chris and I. Before we come to Jesus, we were so far from Jesus. And there was such a move of God in our city at that time. There was a lot of people, just like me and Chris, that gave their life to Christ. And so I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful we were part of a healthy church and we were discipled well and we were trained up in ministry and so many things that the the church that we were a part of, I mean, we're, we're living in now. And so I, I just want to recognize that, that the joy of the Lord is our strength and we need to remember the joy of our salvation. So a lot's been going on. We were here this week uh, for the Great Commission Summit. Jacksonville and Thailand as I've been coming in. We've kind of been in and out a lot over the past three years launching this movement of a city adopting a nation. What started in our city of Lexington, uh, uh, really adopting the nation of Nepal is now multiplied to five other cities and nations. And so we've been really uh, going after it here in Jacksonville, a strong team, pastoral leadership, business leadership, prayer and missions around seeing the Great Commission finished in the nation of Thailand. So in the midst of COVID and everything that's been happening, we were able to have an event on Friday and there was like two or 160 leaders there from all over the city. So it's such a blessing and our heart truly is for there to be no place left where the gospel has not been proclaimed in the nation of Thailand. So you can, there should be some photos here. We had this one moment where there was uh, 
uh, battery-powered candles, and we all lit our candle and said, Lord, we're all going to play our part in fulfilling the Great Commission. And that is our heart as a ministry. We realize whether you're going around the world to an unreached people group or you're a prayer warrior or you're helping give to missions, whatever that role is, pray, send, or go, if we all play our role, play our part in the Great Commission, we'll get this work finished in our generation. But too often we look at, well, they'll get it done. Somebody else will do their part or I'm not very significant. No, we're all significant. Because we have the power of the Spirit in us, and we all have a role to play. And we need you to do that. We need you to play your role. And um, so in this church here is a church that's playing their role. It was a joy two years ago to be in Thailand with Pastor Chris. And uh, we went all over the place in that nation. And uh, I tell you, Thailand is an easy nation to be a missionary, though. Beaches, jungles that are beautiful, like, Lord, send me there. <laughs> But no, there are 95% of the villages in that nation, communities, don't have one Christian in them. And uh, so we want to change that over the next few years. So, And I tell you, this, this Friday at the Great Commission Center is so powerful. Leaders from all over Jacksonville saying, yes, we're going to play our role and our part in doing that. So anyway, powerful time. And uh, I have a, a picture here just kind of mentioning the state of the Great Commission, how many unreached people groups there are, how many unreached, all this. You know, for many of us, it doesn't mean a whole lot. You just see those numbers, but each one of these people are a soul, a person that Jesus loves and died for. When he was on the cross, he saw you and me, but he also saw them. And he willingly gave his life as a lamb to the slaughter because he wants everyone. His will is that none should perish. But we have a role. We need to preach the gospel to them. And uh, the next slide there, you'll just see some of the people, some of the faces from Thailand, what they look like. And these are real people. And I'm telling you, the joy that's in my heart when I get to see these people and get to hear their testimonies of how the gospel transforms their life. And it transforms people groups. It transforms wicked, evil people into saints of God. Do we have any wicked, evil people that were transformed? I was one of them. That Jesus transformed my life. I never will forget the day I was in the Sahara Desert with a tribal leader who said, Miles, I was an evil man. And I looked at the scars on his face from swords. I'm like, yep, you were. <laughs> I wouldn't have messed with you. Anyway, but Jesus, the gospel is powerful and it transforms culture. And we're, we're just believing God that we're going to see that happen in Thailand, and it's already started. God is moving so powerfully there. Even in the midst of strict lockdowns, there's one movement we're working with. Man, they have seen hundreds of churches planted during COVID. God is moving, and people are in a desperate place. And I tell you, we need to be normal Christians, normal followers of Jesus. Now, when somebody really is a normal Christian in a godless world or even in a religious saturated world, it seems extreme. But even today what I'm going to talk to you about is not something extreme. It's a normal disciple of Jesus Christ should have prophetic words on Sunday morning. Wasn't that a powerful word? Thank you, brother, for stepping out. That word really encouraged me today. That should be normal. 
should not be extreme. Normal Christianity is signs, wonders, and miracles, Eric. Man, it, we should see miracles weekly. We should see people coming to Christ all the time around us as we live a normal Christian walk. And as a missionary of, of Jesus Christ and getting to go to all these places around the world where we're seeing breakthrough in these dark spiritual places, too often people hear us and they're like, well, you're the missionary. And yeah, we are missionaries, but we're believers. We're disciples of Jesus Christ. And too often there's a void between the ministry people and the norm. No, we're all ministers. Every person is called to be a minister. And I want to tell you right now, you have a mission field every week. You're out there among uh, uh, darkness and people that are hurting and broken and are in desperate places, more desperate now than ever before. And I believe as we come through this pandemic, there's a great revival in America. Hear me, that was a good place to say amen. It is, we need a spiritual awakening. Now, if you're watching the news more than you are on your face, you're listening to your favorite commentator more than you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you're going to be bound by fear, doubt, and unbelief. But if you're on your face seeking the Lord of lords and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and you're asking him to empower you, this is the greatest time to be alive. This is not desperate times, y'all. Jesus is with us. We have the, the Lord of heaven and earth. We have the angel armies with us. We have the power of the Spirit. And it's, 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 we're called to have the best hour. This is the church's best hour. But I know it's been a desperate time. We've lost family members. Like within a few weeks, they get COVID and then they're gone. I mean, it's been difficult in Nepal where we have, you know, work all across the nations. 45 pastors died in three months this year. I, you just can't imagine. It's, it's like a, a, a sucker punch to the face and all that's happening. But I want to tell you, God is working. God is moving. God is still on the throne. And even in our ministry, we've experienced a pruning you know, some staff left, some things. We had to deal with some difficult situations and circumstances, all that. And I just heard all through it, Jesus is like, keep your eyes fixed on me. I'm working and I'm pruning you. I'm pruning city for the nations. And I even believe today, as I was seeking the Lord, the Lord said, hey, I'm pruning you, Destiny Church. I'm pruning you. And he does that for us to be fruitful. And I believe God is priming and preparing you as a church for a revival, for a lot of people to come into the kingdom and you all be a part of it. And disciples to be made and for lives to be transformed in and through you, through your testimony. Not just, and I'm all for come back to church Sunday, but what about Monday through Saturday? You know, that's where we need to be believers all week long and bringing God's kingdom wherever he's called us. So I believe as we've been through this pruning season, we're going to be much more fruitful. And you need to declare that in your life. I just felt today there is many people that need miracles, financial miracles, health miracles, even just you know, there's been an oppression over your life and you need Jesus to deliver you. You're in the right place today. Hallelujah. For some, 
it's even been a Job season where Job just lost it all. I mean, family. I mean, it's all his stuff. All these real difficult things that Job went through where it just felt like he got to a point where he's like, God, just take my life. Some of us have been there, and I've been there before. So desperate, so difficult. Health attacks, financial attacks, relationships, splintering, all those things. But, you know, when people talk about Job, they act like it was his whole life. It was actually nine months. We should call the life of Job one bad year. We kind of had a little bit more than one bad year. But I'm going to tell you, as we come out of this, we need to be ready for great fruitfulness. The enemy has been trying to shut up the church. He's been using this pandemic and through intimidation, through fear, and even controlling governments, all this stuff, to shut up the church. Now, I want to tell you something. He can't shut up the church. The devil can't do it. You know who can shut up the church? We can. When we believe the lies. When we believe his junk. I almost said something else. Anyway. We have, we have got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and believe what he is saying. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against us will prosper in Jesus' name. I heard him say this morning, he is turning things around. If you feel like your life has sucked lately, I want you to declare it. My life is turning around. And this is not just hype today. I feel like the Lord is going to really manifest himself in this place today. And already has been turning things around. God is working all things together for good. What I've learned, if it isn't good yet, keep walking. Keep believing the promises because he will make it good. He has in Melanie in our eyes life over and over and over again things that we thought, we're so tragic, and I'm like, God, how in the world are you going to turn this around? And he did. He's in the business of doing that. Today, I want to talk to you about being the church. Not just coming back, but being the church. Jesus called us to be his church. So in the midst of darkness... And darkness getting darker, right? <laughs> that is happening. It is a reality. Light is shining brighter than ever before. And I'm going to tell you so many testimonies about how light is overcoming darkness. But in the midst of all these struggles, we are becoming the true bride of Christ. You know, when we talk about church, there's so many different definitions of church. But one of them is the bride of Christ. That Jesus is coming back to marry his bride. He's coming back free, a pure and spotless bride if you read the word of God. But too often we've been the girlfriend of God instead of the bride of Christ. God is raising us up as his church to love him more than anything else. And that's where he's calling us to. We're called to thrive in the midst of every weapon that is formed against us. And we, he will do that. He will cause us to thrive when our enemy is coming at us. I want to give you all some principles today that, that work all around the world. As the church of Jesus Christ thrives in the midst of persecution, difficulties, 
all that, he, that every weapon the enemy tries to f- throw against it doesn't work as we hold on to these principles of truly being the church of Jesus Christ. Now, I've had the privilege of training thousands of church planners around the world in some of the most difficult places to be a believer. And as we believe the word of God, as we step out on the word of God, as we are the church of Jesus Christ, nothing is impossible for us. And we will thrive in these times. Two years ago, I was training some church planners in southern Nepal. You'll see a picture up there. And uh, we had sponsored 57 teams to go to 57 people groups there. And we were in the southern part of Nepal working with 10 of the teams, but they had multiplied. So what started out as 20 church planners had multiplied into this group. That's pretty cool. These are all leaders and church planners. Most of them first, second, third generation new believers that had responded to the call in two years. Where there were no believers before, this is what happens when you unleash the word of God. And there's no spirit of religion or hindrance or any of that. We just move in the power of God or the power of the spirit and God's word. You see multiplication happen. And and in the midst of difficult persecution, one of my friends, Daniel, man, he is a, a mighty man of God, a leader of a movement. He had went, he was sent out to plant a church, and when he went there, uh, man, they were going to sacrifice a child. You heard that right. They were going to sacrifice a child. These uh, radical Hindu priests were to appease demons. The cattle were dying there. They, they thought if they sacrifice this child that it will appease the demons and uh, the, the plague that was over these cattle were, would stop. Wow, this is a whole new world, right? And uh, so Daniel and his friend, colleague, church, fellow church planner show up there when this is getting ready to happen. He says, hey, you don't have to do that. Jesus paid the sacrifice. Our God did. And we're going to pray, and your cattle will be healed. And uh, as a sign to you that uh, what we're saying to you is true that we serve the one true living God and not dead idols and demons. Well, they said, okay, yeah, you pray to your God, and we're going to lock you up until the cattle are healed. And if they're not healed, we're going to kill you, and we're going to sacrifice this child. Well, that really ignites your prayer life right there. Anyway, they fasted and prayed for three days, and the cattle were healed. Hallelujah. And the child was not sacrificed. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice already. And uh, they planted a church there. There was breakthrough among that people group through that crisis. And it's a good lesson to learn. that I And I've learned this over the years. That when the enemy throws everything at you, even threatening your life, on the other side of that is a great miracle. And breakthrough. And usually a lot of people coming to Jesus. And so if you're in the middle of a crisis, you feel like all hell is pressing down on you, i got good news. On the other side of it is a great breakthrough of what God has for you. So if, uh, on that same trip, we were, uh, I was doing my morning devotions. I knew we had plans to go out and visit some church planners and, uh, in the field as well as a new church that had been started among this uh, unreached people group, 
and I was having my morning devotions, and I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, this is going to be a day you remember for the rest of your life. And that's all he said. I didn't know what was going to happen. So in your mind, it might be, yeah, man, miracles are going to happen. People are going to get saved. But also, I've had some scenarios where we had to run for our lives. I didn't know what was going to happen. And uh, so I, we went to the church, and you'll see a photo here of this little uh, kind of, yeah, here's the people. Uh, but uh, at the beginning there, there was a slide of just a little building, if you want to call it that, a straw roof. And a cross on top of it. Yeah, there it is. And uh, so this is where they met and worshipped at. And you had to, like, bow way down, and you could only stand about this tall in there. And while you're preaching, stuff's falling on you. And it was kind of gross. There was mice running in there and all this stuff. But it was so awesome what happened that day. So our friends were there with us, a business guy from Lexington, one of our staff, as well as Penny L. Melanie and I. And, guys, what happened that day, I will never forget. So there was probably 25 or so believers from this people group. Man, they, they loved Jesus with all their heart. Jesus had set them free. They were all bound in his Hinduism before. And they had suffered for their faith. We heard testimonies that day about people coming to their faith and their family persecuting them, people even being beat up for serving Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, they had something so special as the church of Jesus Christ. that I, There's churches in America that don't have some of the things that they have. And I long for that. And I think back the early days of when Chris were, and I were going to church together and with small groups together and, and our, just loving one another and all the relationships that were there, the real koinonia of God, the fellowship that we share was so powerful. And, and I see that among these churches be, when they need each other. When there's not all these different denominations and all this variety and we're just consumers in our Christianity. But no, there's just the church of Jesus Christ. And it's not about what all I need, but it's also about what I can give. Because my brothers and sisters need me. And if, if I don't give to them and love them and help them, they may not survive. Because they've been rejected by their family members. But... It was just so pass, but so powerful being there, and they're there not only to receive but to give to one another. There was such ministry happening among themselves and such love. I just, I, I love being in the purity of all that, where it's not confusing or distracting by all that we have in our nation, but it's just like, man, it's just Jesus and the church of Jesus Christ loving one another. So we, uh, when we were ministering there, I, uh, I just felt prompted to talk to them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I asked the church planner, I'm like, have you, have you taught them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? He's like, I haven't heard of such a thing. I'm like, kind of like the Bible. And uh, he had not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I started talking, just kind of unpacked Acts 1 and 2, just shared a little bit about it. And I said, okay, if you all want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled with power uh, for your walk with God, to move in the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit, just pray this with me. So painting the picture, we're in that, that, that little church building, and it's hot, 110 degrees out. There is no wind blowing. We're sweating, sweating, sweating. And 
And uh, we invite them to pray to receive the Holy Spirit in their lives. Be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, you know, this wind came blowing through that place. I mean, my hair stood on end, and it moved my hair on my head. It was wild. It was like Acts 1 and 2 had happened. This holy wind came through, and all of a sudden, these people are speaking in tongues. I had to make sure because, you know, they, they're speaking another language anyway. I'm like, Daniel, is that their language or is that tongues? He's like, oh, that's tongues. And all of a sudden, they're on the ground. People are shaking. Power of the Holy Spirit's on people. People are falling down. All this stuff. And, and Melanie and, and I and Doug and Luke and Penny are like, whoa, what do we do? <laughs> it was like the Holy Spirit was doing a work way beyond us. But that's the church of Jesus Christ is doing. It's simple. And I feel like too often we make it complicated. Let's look in Matthew chapter 16. Verse 13, this is Jesus, the first mention of the church in the New Testament that Jesus gives us a promise and should come up there on the screen as well. So Matthew 16, 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What a powerful promise of the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus started at the end, and he said the gates of hell will not prevail. No matter what Satan tries to do to destroy this church, even crucifying me, it will not work. And I have to tell you, it doesn't work. Whatever Satan throws at the church of Jesus Christ, it does not work. I've been on some of the, in some of the most persecuted places on earth, and I see the church of Jesus Christ thriving. Hallelujah. The church of China, when communism took over, it was about 3 million people, 3 million believers in China. Now, through major persecution, it's over 100 million people. The church of Jesus Christ thrives under persecution. And I want to tell you right now, some of the things we're facing in our country, we never thought we would face. Churches are being persecuted now in the name of COVID or whatever, but it's persecution. In fact, when we had, uh, this wasn't the church, of course, but when the uproar happened on Capitol Hill in January and, you know, all that happened. Uh, I mean, we were like, man, this has never happened in the U.S. before. The, the Capitol being stormed by mobs, all that was happening there. And I'm calling my African leaders and brothers and sisters. They're like, yeah, we face that every year in our country, a coup or some kind of uproar happening. 
I just I said that to say that you know what what we're facing now we're actually joining our brothers and sisters in it of what they face every day. We don't need to be afraid. It's not going to work what the enemy throws at us. It's not going to work. It's only going to refine us and make us stronger in the Lord. So the church of Jesus Christ, man, it's called many different things in the Bible. All illustrations, giving examples of what it is. It's a bride. It's a temple. It's the new man. It's the new creation. It's his vineyard. It's his assembly of the firstborn. It's called Mount Zion, a city of Israel, his house, his building, made up of many living stones. So the church of Jesus Christ is his people gathered together. Simply, I mean, as we train church planners all over the world, we try to make it as simple as possible. And when you boil it down, there's not a whole lot of scriptures that say, well, this is what the church is. When two or three or more are gathered in his name, that makes a church. So if there's two or three of us together, that makes up his church. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, when you come together, it's talking about coming together as the church, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification or the building up of other people. So what's this tell us? Actually, we're not just called to come here to receive. If we're the church of Jesus Christ, we come together to give. We need to be prepared for that. You need to expect God to use you every time there's two or three gathered. And I just, I tell you, in Chris and I, and I's early days as believers, that's what we were taught. Man, just come, move in the power of the Spirit. Pray for somebody to be healed. Witness to somebody that's sitting next to you. Give a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, word of prophecy over people. We need to expect God to move in our midst and not just use the people who are up front. The Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of one another. And the enemy's trying to hit that right now. Tried to stop us from gathering. So we need to gather together, two or three of us, and all have something to give. This is the church, y'all. In the early church, there was kind of a, you know, of course, they were coming from a Jewish culture. So they, they knew temple. They knew synagogue. Temple was God-centric. It was about worship, bringing a sacrifice of worship to the Lord, but also it was a party. So there's three mandated feasts throughout the year that the Jewish people would gather together around the temple, and they would bring a sacrifice, but guess what it was? It was a barbecue. And God said, I want you to throw a party in my name. So when we get together and we have picnics and get-togethers and all that, enjoy one another, God's really for that. But he's also about us wasting our life like we did this morning in a good way, worshiping. Just giving our time to him. Man, don't you love his presence? That You feel him when you worship him. But then there was synagogue. Synagogue was mainly a place of teaching where we, we learned about the Word of God, which we're doing today, but also as a place of fellowship. So I believe temple and synagogue are to be a part of the New Testament church as well. And the Jews in the New Testament recognize that. So today, with that in mind, I want to give you, real quickly, we don't have a mu much more time, but you're going to say 10. I've got 10 commandments of Jesus for the church. This is how we train our church planners. You may say, I'm not a church planner. Well, you know what? Most of our church planners 
are just new believers among people groups, and they don't know anything else but spreading the gospel, gathering believers in discipleship. And that's the church of Jesus Christ, y'all. We're all called to this. We're all called to make disciples. We're all called to make our fa- or, uh, to share our faith. And I would even say this: We're all called to gather two or three in His name, and maybe more. So, Ten Commandments, simple things. These are things you know, but you put them together, and you have an unstoppable church. I've seen it in the Sahara Desert among radical. Muslims that got radically saved, and they're thriving. Guys, we just had a report. I've shared about the Timbuktu Tomajek with you several times where there was this breakthrough among these radical Muslims, and I just got a report. So from uh, July to September, they had 4,000 people come to faith in Jesus Christ. There's these powerful signs and wonders that are happening among them. And I'm telling you what, I'm like, what? So there's over 7,000 of them serving Jesus now. And just a few years ago, there was zero. So like half their people group are Christians now. <laughs> I love it. So number one, commitment to be the church. And we use a symbol. So you'll see this here on the board uh, up there. Back up, yeah. So this is a symbol we use to teach because a lot of the, the people we're training can't read or write. So we just use a simple symbol. The first thing is we do is we draw a circle. And that's a commitment to gather as the church of Jesus Christ. And so they gather once, twice, three times a week, sometimes seven times a week together to pray, to worship. And we'll unpack that a little bit more. But commitment to gather, Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verse uh, 24 uh, through 25, I already mentioned it. Don't forsake the assembly of the saints. There's power in that. There's power in getting up on a Sunday morning not sleeping in or just watching Sunday morning. We need to gather. We need to be among the saints of Jesus Christ. There's something you only get when you gather with other believers. Because Jesus told us to. And he's going to hold something back until we gather and obey him. We need to be the body of Christ and minister to one another. So commitment together. Number two, baptism in water. Matthew 28, 19. Talks about the Great Commission, going into all the world, preaching the gospel. But then it goes on to say, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Guys, it is powerful. True scriptural baptism is powerful. And I tell you, many in many cultures, somebody just saying a prayer or raising their hand in a service doesn't get them persecuted. It's when they get baptized publicly. Because the radical Hindus and Muslims know when they get baptized, they're serious. They're willing to give their life. In fact, believers in China say, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when they come to kill me, I will not deny him. I baptize in the name of the Father. They say that confession. Baptism is so powerful, y'all. We need to baptize new believers. It is an act of faith, and it's symbolic, but also there is miracles connected to it. I see people get delivered from demonic spirits during baptism in other nations, and baptized in the spirit as well when they get baptized. Uh, and so it is powerful, and we need to baptize people. And guess what? You don't have to have reverend in your name to baptize somebody. Baptize people in your tub. Baptize them in faith. 
And in Jesus' name, in, in the Bible, there was no time between conversion and baptism. Many times they baptize them right away. Number three, teach the Bible. So we teach the, the word of God. We need to, and you'll see the reference there. There is power in these, in these words, y'all. It is the written word of God that brings life and truth. And it brings deliverance. I was just sharing a story at our summit uh, about what happened on the rest of that day when we went to that church in uh, southern Nepal. A little bit later, we went to another unreached village. And I met a man who had read the Bible. Uh, somebody had given him a Bible a month earlier. He went out of his mind about two years earlier. He was a physician, had to quit practicing medicine, all this stuff. And he started reading the word. And literally, as he read the word, his mind came back to him. That's the power of the word. So we need to teach the word of God. And number four, we need to remember the Lord's body and blood through uh, communion or the Lord's table, whatever you want to call it today. But there is power in communion, y'all. Jesus said to do this in remembrance of me as a family. We do it all the time, especially during this pandemic just believing God for his healing and the covenant we have in his name. Number five, fellowship. Acts 2.42 talks about that they practiced the disciple or the apostles' teaching. But the word of God, but then also fellowship and meeting from house to house. The power of Christian fellowship. That's what transformed my life apart from, from the Holy Spirit and salvation, it was godly believers and friends in my life. Living this thing out, showing me how to walk out being a believer. So fellowship. Number six, giving. Giving's not a bad word, y'all. Too often we make that like an awkward word in the church of Jesus Christ. I go to church plants in other countries and like they're preaching the gospel to them, and then taking up an offering, teaching them right away to give to the work of God. And that's a sacrifice to God and an act of worship. You'll see the text there in Luke 6. And then number seven, prayer. All those symbols around that circle represent these. So we had the water, the uh, the Bible or the book representing the Bible. Number four, bread and water, there was a cup. Uh, and then the heart was fellowship, uh, a money sign, praying hands. Matthew 6, 9 is the Lord's Prayer, teaching people to pray and seek God, that model prayer that Jesus gave us. Praying together, worshiping together. And then number eight, praise. You'll see the, the hands there raised. Philippians 4, 4 talks about rejoicing in the Lord always. And there's so many more texts we could give about praising the Lord, dancing before the Lord. But there's just something about corporate praise and worship, y'all, that the enemy's heaviness and darkness cannot linger and, and stay on us in those times. Then number nine, telling people about Jesus or evangelism. Mark 16, 15, this is the Great Commission uh, restated again through uh, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through Mark. But 
preaching the gospel, sharing your testimony, sharing about Jesus. And I want to tell you all, if that's awkward for you, I want to tell you, it's awkward for me. It's awkward for a reason. The enemy doesn't want to do it. So he'll heap on fear and intimidation and all that because he knows there's power when you speak the gospel. There's power when you speak your testimony. So know when that awkward feeling comes, just tell the devil to shut up. You know, too often the Lord is prompting us, wants us to share our testimony of the gospel with somebody. Right away in our mind, we picture something really bad happening. But most of the time, that narrative's a lie from the enemy. Normally, that narrative doesn't even happen. Actually, a whole nother narrative happens. The person gets saved. The person thanks you. You get to pray for them. They get delivered. My buddy over here, Jimmy McKinney, uh, and his friend Joy are down from Lexington. I love Jimmy. Uh, he's a board member of the City for the Nations. But so often, man, he's out sharing his faith. He told me a few years ago, yeah, I was in this Uber Lyft ride in Chicago, and I led this guy to Jesus, and the guy surrendered his life. And then a few months later, a few weeks later, hey, I'm going back up to Chicago to be a part of his baptism. I love that. But that narrative is not usually the one we hear in our mind. We have this narrative of something really bad happening. This guy's life was transformed. So we need to share our faith with others. And finally, number 10, raise up leaders. 2 Timothy 2.2 talks about what has been entrusted to you, what has been given to you. You give it to other people that will multiply. And we do that. We do that in the nations. And that's why you go back to Nepal and you see over 100 leaders that started to pray because they entrust the word of God to others. And they trust the Holy Spirit in other people. That the Holy Spirit transforms and delivers people. Guys, these are 10 commandments of, of Jesus to his, that makes up his church. Well, we do a training over five days, and uh, but it boils down to this. We need to be the church of Jesus Christ. Guys, we need to look up, like Jesus said, look up, for the fields are ripe. The harvest is ripe, y'all. It really is right now. Not only in the darkest places on earth, but right here in Jacksonville, Florida. The harvest is ripe. And I want to encourage you today, as, as I begin to close, that you would lift up your eyes. Allow the Holy Spirit to empower you to be the church of Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful that this brother right here had his eyes lifted up in that locker room that day. Hallelujah. We didn't know what would unfold. I'm going to invite you all to stand to your feet. Let's just be in an attitude of prayer for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just listen to his spirit for a moment. I just feel like he wants to do something here.
some of you really are going through a hard time right now. I just sense that. Just lift your hands to Jesus. Just give him your pain. Give him your discouragement. Give him every attack that's come against you. It's like what I see is there's a rut, and you're stuck in that rut. It's almost like if you have um, a dog that's on a leash, and they, they ran around a tree or whatever they're tied to, and they create a rut. But I just see Jesus just setting you free out of that rut. In the name of Jesus, even now, I declare that that rut would be broken that those lies of the enemy that have been holding people bound will be broken. Even you that are watching online right now, in the name of Jesus, I release the spirit of freedom and liberty in your living room, in your bedroom, through that computer right now. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be free in the name of Jesus. I command rheumatoid arthritis and pain and chronic pain to leave you now in the name of Jesus, torment and depression and discouragement, leave now in Jesus' name. You will not torment the people of God in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Spirit of perversion and addiction, I bind and break your power. Now release your hold off of people's lives in the name of Jesus Christ. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, it is harvest time. It is harvest time, and you are my harvesters. I'm going to release mighty miracles, signs, and wonders through you. And I want you to receive that today, says the Lord. I want you to receive that fresh wind of my Spirit. Receive it today. Receive the cleansing today of my presence. In the name of Jesus Christ, I release a fresh baptism of His Spirit. And that same wind that blew in southern Nepal, I release that wind of His Spirit in this room today. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, I just see even now, people are drawing the line in the sand and they're saying, no more. Some of you have had your guard down. You dropped your sword but you're picking it back up today. And you're saying, enough is enough. I'm rising up in victory today. I release that upon you today in Jesus' name. And I just even sense right now, there's some people here being called to the nations. Some of you, as I talk about the nations and the unreached, you're so stirred up in your heart, you're ready to go today. And so I pray for you right now. Lord, I thank you for those you're calling forth to go. Like you're, they're going to go to some of the darkest places on earth. And I thank you, Lord, that you will be faithful to them to meet every need in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise.